Welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and we invite you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Well, good morning. I'm the guest speaker here this morning. It's good to see everybody. Uh, uh, yeah, I've been out for five Sundays, so it's good to be back and good to see everybody. And it's also wonderful to know everything was so well, take, not just taken care of, but just moving straight along. So if uh, you came to the church while I've been out, while my wife and I've been out, I'm Tim, uh, the senior pastor here at the church. So uh, thank you. Thank you for being here. And it is indeed Really good to be back. We were in California for our national conference, so we had an opportunity to worship with about 2,500 of our closest friends and uh, got to spend some time with some friends that live in a beautiful place called San Clemente and uh, got to do some surfing and the waves were great all week long. And uh, so it was really a great time, but it is really good to be back. And uh, we're going to launch, as you can see from the bumper today, we're going to launch a new series called The Need to Lead. I believe that inside of each person, there is this, uh, let's just say this compulsion, this movement inside of us at times to take a step forward. Now, when we say lead, a lot of us go, well, you know, I'm no leader. I, I can't lead. But I'll bet you at any time during the day, there are moments where you have to step out and you have to step ahead of someone in order to go somewhere or to help someone get somewhere or get something done. And so inside of all of us, and I think it's a God-given thing, is this urge and and we really get a deep sense of satisfaction from it to lead to step out I, I was recalling my childhood and I can remember the kid on the bike who was the first one out who said come on let's go you know and was doing the crazy and dangerous things running everywhere and and realizing that the dude had a sense of adventure and he was trying to get the rest of us to experience it and as early on some of you see it in your children your grandchildren you just see them stepping out early on and We used to try to hold them back and restrain them, right? No, but in a way, it's kind of God's adventure, I I think. And many times, I think we hold it back, and we, we don't enjoy it, and we don't encourage it enough in one another. And so, in order for us to take this journey, I want to talk about three particular people in the church, in the world, that I believe that sometimes uh, we will look over or look past that God wants to use in leading. And the first one uh, I'm going to talk about today is the older folks in the church. Uh, the Bible has a whole, yes, right? The older folks go, ooh. And I was like, oh, that's so exciting. <laughs> you know, but then the next week, next Sunday, if you've ever struggled and, and you've been in a church or you struggle with your belief of whether a woman can lead, whether women can pastor, whether, and uh, you've gone back to that First Timothy passage and you just have stuck on that one passage uh, and you're confused because then you see Paul, like in Romans, talking about all these wonderful women at the end of that book who led. I want you to come back next week because we're going to unpack that whole issue of whether women can lead in the church or not. And so we're going to take a look at it. Yeah, you come back. And, hey, some of you guys that have not got it yet, I understand. You know, I've got friends who, who still uh, don't get it, and that's great. But come and at least journey with us through this. So next week we're going to look at can women lead. And then the third week, because our kids are going back to school, 
We're going to look at kids. We're going to look at young people. What does God say in this Bible about them? Can they lead? Can they be a part of something wonderful for God? Can they actually reveal to us God's next step in our lives? And so as we move through those three, then we'll talk a couple of, about a couple of places where we need to step into leadership. But go with me the next three weeks as we, uh, as we talk about these three particular uh, people in the church who we do not want to overlook, okay? So we're going to be, like I said, talking about, I, I think I put in your hand out if you flip it over. I've got old dudes you know the, the saying, I remember years ago, when I turned 50, someone gave me a t-shirt. It said, old dudes rule, right? A guy on a surfboard. And, uh, and, uh, and, and today, I'm like, old dudes and dudesses, you know, they lead, you know. And so, we're going to talk about that. Over in the book of Joel, uh, the prophet Joel was prophesying about a time when God would come and do something very special. When his Holy Spirit would come to this earth, fill his people and people would know that God, it would be evidence that God had come. And in Joel uh, 2, 28 through 29, we read these words. Get it up there. Here we go. And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on who? All people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Great prophecy, one that Israel and that all the people of God look forward to that day. And, and then, of course, Jesus comes. He's crucified. He's resurrected. He spends time with his disciples, and he tells them to go to their room and don't leave until the Holy Spirit comes. Remember, they were still kind of scratching their head when he left. And uh, so they go to their room, and they wait, and the Holy Spirit comes. And then in Acts, the second chapter... We read this, and this is Peter, right? There's a monumental change between the upper room and the second chapter of Acts that the Holy Spirit made in some folks' lives. No, this is what was spoken when they accused him of being drunk in, in the, you know, the middle of the day there. The Holy Spirit poured out on them. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Here it goes. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. You young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they will prophesy. That has happened. That is happening. And when in the church and in this world we see the sons and the daughters and the men and the women, the old and the young, being filled by the Holy Spirit and being used by God, we know something wonderful has happened. That God is in this place. So let's take a look at uh, your old men, the old women, and what God wants to do through them this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, for your encouragement. And I pray that you would breathe life on it this morning. Lord, help me in my weakness. And uh, God, it's good to be back. And it is indeed evidence of your presence when we see all of humanity worshiping you and all of your creation. And Father, today I ask that you do what only you can do through your presence in the Holy Spirit and that you awaken hearts, that you give hope where maybe there is none or maybe they, someone feels like they've been bypassed by you or their opportunities in life are gone. I pray for a new refreshed filling of your spirit, Lord, today to see this world and to see what you want to do the way you want to do it. So, Lord, come 
be with us today. We give you this next bit of time, Lord. Teach us, speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in that handout, if you, if you will flip it over there, the scriptures are over there. I want to give you three ways that we older Christians can lead. Okay, and your first one is coming from Psalm 71. Now, Psalms 70 and 71 are very particular, actually, to older people. And if you read both of those Psalms, you will, you will begin to pick up on uh, some nuances and some things that really speak to, to us. I mean, there's, the you know, fear... There's a, you know, is there's a sense of, are you going to abandon me here at this this place in my life, God? Or, but are you going to still be with me? Things that, as we get older, we we deal with questions that maybe we ask ourselves. Uh, you know, I feel weak. I, I feel like, uh, you know, I don't have the capacity I used to have. I don't have the power I used to have. Uh, there's a sense of vulnerability expressed in these psalms. And in the middle of it, or in around verse 18, Psalm 71, 18, we read these words. And it is, even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. That's one of my favorite verses. It has been since about age 50. <laughs> it was like... Oh, Lord, just give me a chance for the next generation, you know, just the next, next group to be able to say something about you to them. And the psalmist in the middle of all of his wondering of whether God is going to be there or not, he says, this is what I want, God. Just give me this opportunity. And, and notice this, you know, he wants, and this is what God wants to give to us, dear Older, you know, it's weird how we have to be careful about talking about older people now. Have you ever noticed that? You don't call them old, them. (laughs) Old, older, gray, seniors. You know, my dad's like 93, almost 94 years old. I went over the other day and he's sitting in this chair by himself like this. And I'm like, I thought he had a stroke. I said, Dad, you okay? He says, I'm exercising. You know, he's got these, I looked around him, all these papers with lift your heel, lift your heel. You know, they had given him at the VA for him to exercise at 94. But, we, you know, he says, I don't feel like I'm 94. I don't feel like I'm 60. I don't feel like I'm 30. I feel like I'm 20. And deep inside, you know, deep inside, that's what he is. And that's something for us to remember. Every time you see an older person, there's a 20-year-old inside of there. There's a 25, there's a 30-year-old heart in there. The only thing additional is about 40, 50 years of experience. But there's still that heart. But inside of all of us, we want to be able to do something. And one of the things we can do, just like the psalmist is crying out here, is we can proclaim. We can still proclaim the goodness that's of the Lord. That's your first fill-in, proclaim. Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I what? Declare. Till I declare your power to the next generation. I can, as long as I can speak, as long as I can talk, as long as someone, great-grandchildren or whoever around me, let me declare your goodness, Lord. Let me do that. And, um, you know, our culture cries to us as we get older, camouflage. Doesn't it? I mean, it doesn't say to, for you to be able to grow in grace and and wisdom and stature, and to be able to enjoy it, and for people to honor that. No, no, it's like you camouflage it. Don't let anybody know you're over 50, right? Don't let anybody, I mean, you know, don't let anybody know that you're over 60. Don't let anybody know. Let's camouflage, camouflage, camouflage. But the kingdom of God says, come on, come on, come on. 
It doesn't say camouflage it. It says, man, you've got a lifetime of experience here. Have you not seen me move? Proclaim it. Declare it. Tell people about it. You've got stories to tell. You've had a life full of stories. You've seen my faithfulness. You've seen me in the midst of loss and pain. You know what it's like to be alone and wondering and questioning. And yet you're here now. Proclaim it. Keep talking about it. Say it. Don't let the culture shut you up. Dear older person. (laughs) Those of us older. And uh, I'm just going to use this baseline. And some of you are going to get really mad at me. Over 50. Okay. If you're over 50, uh, John Wimber, the founder of our movement one time, I heard him say he would not read a book by anybody that, w- that wasn't at least 40 years old. <laughs> and uh, I don't know that that's great, but, but I get what he's saying, you know, because the stories can change as you get older, can't they? As you learn things. I mean, there's some sermons I preached. I wish I could find them and take them back right now, you know, when I was younger. <laughs> It's like, I mean, it's like, well, I listened to one of your sermons back in the 70s, 80s. Don't do it. Just, I don't believe that anymore. You know, that's, that's changed. Don't listen to it. But you can still proclaim God's goodness to your generation. Uh, in the Bible, there are so many examples. Uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth, John the Baptist's parents. As you read along in Luke's gospel, we get to Luke 1 and verse 7, and it says they both were very old. Very old. Very old. Yet what did God do? Elizabeth got pregnant with John the Baptist, right? Zechariah says, you know, what? You know, angel tells him that, and he tells him to name him John, and he's like, ah, you know, what's going on here? It's like Elizabeth didn't believe she could get pregnant it's it's like when you get older then you start thinking you don't have as much to offer and you don't have anything to say and you can't contribute but all through the scriptures from the old testament to the new testament we see time and again when god chose to use someone who looked like they should be at a place of maybe not being able to contribute and yet god does something huge through them why wouldn't he still do that right now Why isn't he still doing it right now? But we maybe don't see it. Simeon, you know, in Luke 2, and uh, waiting in the temple, waiting to see Messiah, waiting to see the consolation of Israel come. He's been there praying. And though it doesn't tell us how old he is, it says that, uh, you know, he had prayed that he would not die until he saw the Messiah, basically. Not, don't just, you know, don't want to die until after I see what you've done. And then after he sees Jesus, he says, you you know, you can dismiss your servant now. You know, he's in the book. Right behind him is a lady named Anna. Anna, who probably, you know, says she was married for seven years, and depending on how you look at the verse and take it apart, uh, says that, you know, she was uh, 80, had been, some versions say that, you know, that that uh, she had been single for 84 years uh, after the death of her husband for seven years. That's what I think it is. I think that she was single for 84 years after the seven. So what does that make her? Like 93, 92, whatever. Somebody help me. I'm, I used to be an engineer. Uh, where's my slide rule? Uh, plus her young age. If she was married at the age of 14 or 15, 16, which was common during those periods of time, she was 100 or so years old. And yet she spent the last 84 years of her life in the temple praying and fasting. 
for the day when Jesus would come. She's in the book. She's in the book as a testimony. She didn't keep her mouth shut. Every day, praying, fasting, Lord, send your Messiah. Send, send the Messiah to the earth to reconcile your people. Send him, Lord. Every day, imagine the people seeing this 100-year-old lady in all these years, never remarried because she gave herself to prayer. She gave herself to fasting, praying and interceding. Uh, Anna. Then Moses, one of my favorite. You know, at 40 years old, he kills somebody. Runs off. 80, at 80 years of age, God apprehends him. Says, hey, you know, I got a mission for you. He starts his mission at 80 years of age where he says he can't do it. So what does God do? Add his brother, to, again, depending on how you read the scripture, his brother and his sister to him to, as a team. And uh, here's something most of us don't think about. His brother and his sister were older than he was. We don't think about that, right? Miriam, his older sister who basically saved his life, was a part of God getting him to, you know, the Pharaoh's this whole situation. He's just got to read it. And, um, you know, here's Miriam on the other side of the Red Sea. And what does she do? Write a song and starts dancing. She's older than, you know, 80 years old, what, 85 years old. She's like so excited you couldn't shut her up. She was going to proclaim the goodness of God. Don't let culture rob you of your voice. You have something to say. And this world needs to hear it. We need to hear it. You can still proclaim the kingdom of God. You can still proclaim the goodness of God. Number two, in Psalm 92, 14, let's read this. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will still stay fresh and green. Proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no wickedness in him. I love that. You know, you can still produce good fruit in your life, dear older person. You know, there is still much fruit to bear. Your days are not over. Your roots are actually sunken so deep into the good soil of God's life in you that you have more fruit to to bear and to give away than most people do. You can produce and give away. I think of David, you know, who went through all kind of turmoil in his life until his dying moments he was still producing and leading. I think of John. The story of the Apostle John is great tradition that they say, you know, that wrote, uh, Beloved, let us love one another for love is of God. You remember that in First John? Uh, Apostle John, the beloved disciple, he called himself. And, uh, and John, there's this story that goes when he got up in his old age that he couldn't even walk. And so his disciples would put him in a chair. And when the church met, they would lift the chair up and they would carry him into the meeting. And they would sit John down. And John would look around with a smile and go, Beloved. Let us love one another. Amen. That was his sermon. They'd pick him up and carry him out. (laughs) But because of who he was and what he'd experienced, there was power in that. He was still producing fruit in his old age. He was still able to have something to say. Uh, Looking back in life, and I hope you're doing this right now, whoever you are, looking back and asking God to point out who the people are like that in your life. Who has been there? For you at times. I had a, some of you who have been here in the church know this story. I've had a, I had a guy in our life early on, within a few months of me coming to Christ, named uh, Father Sherry. That's what we called him affectionately. And uh, there is his picture. And uh, Father Sherry was an Episcopal, a retired Episcopal priest, about five foot two. 
Long gray hair, long gray beard. I was 20 years old. Karen was 19 years old. We were in our first church ever. We were in college. And we go into this Lutheran church. And it's packed with college students. We have to sit on the floor. Pastor Murley, the pastor, gets up to preach. And he says, Father Sherry, why don't you read the scripture? And this little guy gets up with these bright blue eyes. Walks out in the aisle and he starts reading the scripture to us. Like he was there in the moment. I'll never forget it. Now I wonder. He was like 84 then. He lived in his 90s. He, uh, yeah, he lived long enough to be married three times. I mean, his first wife died. His second wife died. He got married again. Uh, talking about, can I tell you a story? <laughs> I hope you can handle this. Um, <laughs> Father Sherry, uh, when he got married his third time, they had a reception for him in Charlotte. And uh, this is in the book, Let's Begin Again. And uh, which I, is out of print, but if you can find it, it's a great book. But um, he comes down to um, Ocean Lakes Campground for his honeymoon. He's in his early 90s, and you know, he marries a 58-year-old. And uh, Father Sherry said that, uh, you know, it had been a bit long day. He said they'd had a wonderful reception at the church, and he was just so happy. And he, they were at the campground, and then a camper, and he said he... Walked over to his wife. He kissed her on the cheek. And he says, this is just a wonderful day. and love you. And I, I'm going to retire. I'm going to bed. And Father Sherry said he went to bed and pulled the door closed. And was laying there in bed with a smile about to drift off. And all of a sudden, the door goes. <coughs> and he said, I turned and looked. And there in the silhouette was my young wife in a negligee. And Father Sherry goes. Uh oh. <laughs> That's the kind of examples I've had, you know, when I was a college student. I'm like, I wonder why God had these people in my life. And I'm like, yes, yeah, help me, Father Sherry. You know, <laughs> you know uh, great examples. I mean, still pouring into us at 20 years old, he's still pouring into my life right now. God has had men and women. There was a Mrs. Booth, a teacher in school. I was about to lead a. I didn't know anything about Christianity. I was about to lead a resurrection in our Baptist church. The youth were going to take over. This is serious. They came to me. They said, you know, they vote in this church, and if we get enough voting, if we get a voting block, we can take this thing over. (laughs) They came to me and told me that. I'm like, right on. I'm from the 60s. Let's take it, man. I'm ready. Let's go. Let's go. And and we were having a meeting, actually, in Karen's uh, parents' house, and uh, we were 23, 24 years old, and back from school by then and and I remember Miss Booth sitting there in her teacher's glasses, you know, and she goes, I don't know why, but I don't feel good about this. Yeah. And it, it was like the minute she said that, the Lord gripped my heart and said, Oh, you rebellious one <laughs> And I, I had to calm the the group down and said, Look, we need to trust God here. You know, we don't throw an insurrection at the church and take it over and all. We still have a lot to give, dear older person. You can still be fresh with what God wants to do. He wants to do new things and give you new stories, and he has life for you that you need to share with others. You can still produce. You can still give. I mean, I can give you Charlie and Polly Potter uh, if you're from Myrtle Beach, you know who they were. And, I mean, they, he was an architect when the Jesus movement came through here. And there were a lot of us swept up in it. We, no church would take us in and let us meet 
in their building. Charlie and Polly would meet with us, find a place for us to meet. And Polly was sending me notes of encouragement right up to a few years ago. Just go, Tim. Go. 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 Do it. Preach the gospel. Do it, Tim. Do it. Right on and on. Don't you think for a minute, dear older person, that your words don't carry weight and don't mean something. You can still produce fruit. You can still be green. You can still be fresh wherever you are. We need you to leave. We need you to step out. We need you to take your part in this. Um, You know, there's only one way to get consistency, right? And endurance. Be consistent and endure. (laughs) And you don't do that until you have some time. You don't. And so what you have, dear older friend, is something that you can give back. You have walked through life. You have produced a life now. You are there. And you have that to give away. Don't for a minute think that that's not valuable. Valuable to many people. People need to hear it. Okay, last, Psalm 148, 7 through 13. Psalm 148, 7 through 13. Praise the Lord from the earth, young men and women, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord for his name alone is exalted. His splendor above the earth and heavens. We can praise. We can praise. Don't let anybody shut your mouth. Don't let culture shut your mouth. Don't let anything rob the praise of God from your lips. Even, you know, you, young men and women, old men and children, praise him. Old men, praise him. Lift up your voice and worship him. Simeon and Anna would not let anything stop them. They continued to worship God. Anna in the temple over and over again praised the Lord and praised the Lord and worshiped. She would not be shut down. Don't let anything rob you of the praises of God. Miriam danced. Now, a hundred-year-old woman dancing, filled of the Holy Spirit, excited about what God's doing, and writing a song to God is a beautiful thing. Because she knew what she had experienced. And God used her. God used Aaron. God used Moses. Moses writes a beautiful song through that whole period of time. Too. You ever read this book? You should go read it sometime. Back, um, there was an author years ago, Jamie Buckingham, that I read constantly. Jamie was out of Florida, Fort Lauderdale, Titusville, somewhere along in there. And uh, Jamie, Jamie wrote these great books. He started Charisma Magazine uh, Ministry. I think it was Ministries Magazine and all of these magazines. But he wrote some great books like uh, um, The Truth Will Set You Free, But First It Will Make You Miserable. <laughs> great books. And Jamie was kind of a check on the charismatic movement too. He would kind of speak into it when it wobbled a little bit. But my greatest memory of Jamie and Jackie, a great picture of them there, is we were at Ridgecrest probably in, I guess, early 80s at a big conference. First time actually we ever saw John Wimber, probably 82, 83, 84, somewhere along in there. And uh, we had this great worship service at the end. People were just pray 2,000 of us in this auditorium. So we're down on the floor with everybody. Jamie has cancer by now. And about far as from me to the third row here back, I look at Jamie and Jackie, and I knew Jamie had cancer, and I watch them, and they start dancing. They just start dancing, and I'm looking at Jackie, and she's got the biggest smile on her face. 
Jamie is not forlorn. He has got this look on his face. He's got his hands up in the air. And I know he's weak because we had already prayed for him earlier uh, a couple of days before. He is dancing and praising God and all of a sudden he collapses. I'll never forget this. He falls straight down and Jackie slides to her knees and grabs him. And they look at each other and they start laughing. And I'm like, man, what an example. Worshiping God in those moments at that time. And they have been through some stuff. I mean, they have been through some stuff. And now they're, Jamie's facing cancer. He's still worshiping God. I still have that picture in my mind of them worshiping and not letting anything rob them of making a declaration that God is good in the midst of it all. Don't you let anything rob you of the praises of God, dear older person. You know, they say men are the hardest in the world to get to sing. And older men, probably the worst to sing. How many men in here over 50 sing in the shower? (laughs) How many men over 50 have songs you like and that you listen to and you hum along to? That's right, you do. And let me tell you something, dear male friend that's over 50, okay? Don't let anything rob you of the praises of God. Because those praises are going to give you strength right on until you stand before him one day. And you look at him and you say, I've been waiting for this. I've been practicing for this. Here it is. This is what I have for you, God. And there are people watching and there are people waiting to see how you traverse and how you handle life and how you walk through it. You can praise God no matter where you are and what you're facing. And uh, matter of fact, if you're over 50 and you're a male... I want to hear you say praise the Lord together on the count of three. All right, men. (laughs) Don't let me down. (laughs) All right? Count of three. One, two, three. Praise the Lord. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. We need you. We need you praising and praying and, and men and women of God as you get older leading the way. You can still produce in your lives. You can still, like in business, we need you leading. We need you teaching us, the younger, the younger people, how to traverse this and do this and, and do it with character and, and do it so that you can do it honestly and do it as a testimony to God's grace in your life in whatever area you're leading in. Whether it's business or whether you're an employee with someone, show your employer what it means to work for somebody. Show, teach the younger ones what it means to be a good, faithful employee. And if you're an employer and you had a business for all these years, teach the younger employers who want to have businesses of their own that are followers of Christ, this is how you do it. This is how I did it. This is how I worship God in the midst of my business. And this is how I submitted it to him every day. Teach them. Give it away. You still have much to give. Much to give. Don't stay at home and don't lock yourself away and don't not be a part of the community of God. We need every single one of you. You have something to say. You have something to give. I uh, was reading again through this, just looking at different passages, and I came to Zechariah 8, verses 4 through 5, where God is pronouncing a blessing, and he says, this is what it's going to look like when I bless you. 
Look at this. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Once again, men and women of ripe old age will sit in the streets of Jerusalem, each of them with cane in hand because of their age. The city streets will be filled with boys and girls playing there. But I want to tell you, I don't want to be locked away in a community where I can't have kids around me. I want to hear the laughter, and I want to see the excitement, and I want to be a part of the life that is here because you still have a lot to give. We do. Why are the kids in the street laughing and playing? They got their granddads and their great-granddads and grandmoms sitting there at them. Their grandmoms and granddads are just smiling, loving them. It's a picture of the kingdom of God where God gets the glory no matter what stage of life we are in. In the movie uh, Into the Wild, Chris McCandless, this young man who took $24,000, his savings, gave it away, took his credit cards, cut it up, cut them all up, and went on this adventure. And he runs into all of these different types of people. And he runs into this one old guy. Watch this. God, are you seeing this? Are you watching this? God, are you watching this? Come on. Come on. You have something to give. You have praise to give God. There's fruit in your life to still give. We need your leadership. We need your wisdom. God is not through with you yet. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for your people who you've kept around, Lord. You've kept us around. And I pray your presence now would come. And No, we might can't do what we used to could do, but we can do what we can do. And with your help, that's a lot more than probably we've been doing.
So, Lord, help us to come on. Come on. Now, I'm going to ask you to be really bold here. And like I said, I know when I say 50 years old, some of you go, man, that's not old. I'm not old. But you've lived. Yes, that's a century, dude. That's You're getting there, all right? So uh, I'm going to ask you to be so bold. If you're 50 or older, if you would stand right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. All right, look. Dear younger friends, which we're going to get to you, okay? Dear younger friends, do you look around you right now? Now, would you be so bold, dear church, to pray? Get up from where you are. Or go over and pray and speak a good word to them. Something as simple as, man, keep climbing. Keep climbing. Or thank you. Thank you for staying in the race. Would you do that with the body? Can you minister to one another this morning? Holy Spirit, would you come and release us to be so bold as to to encourage one another this morning? Come, Lord. Yes, right. If you see somebody, don't let somebody be alone. Go do it. Find somebody. Thanks for listening to the Seacoast Vineyard Podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and you can learn more about us by visiting seacoastvineyard.com. If you need prayer, you can call us or email care at seacoastvineyard.com. If you feel called to support us financially through a one-time or recurring gift, please click on the Give tab at our website or text any amount to 84321 and follow the prompts.